Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Cobalt and Co. This time we're doing things a little bit different, aren't we, Miles? We are indeedy. We're going to have a little chat to you today. That sounds like we're going to tell them off. You've yeah, been actually, listening yeah. to too much <laughs> D&D, and that's not okay. Sounds like I brought them into the principal's office. <laughs> um, so we um, wanted to take a session to talk about world building, because obviously we're playing in, or maybe not obviously, we're playing in homebrew world, a world that we've kind of been creating on the fly for our character Sal to adventure in. Uh, we haven't taken it from a book. We haven't taken it from uh, a movie or anything. It's just a new world. So I wanted to take a session today to talk about it and share some ideas. And we could build this world together and explore a little bit about its history, maybe, and the kind of places that exist in this world and then possible adventures that Sal might go on, I guess. Does that sound good? That sounds fantastic to me. Uh, I think a good starting point for this is going to be what is world building? Because I think world mm. building as a as a phrase is thrown around a lot, especially in writing circles and very much in kind of writing fantasy circles, I think. Uh, but it's it's never really defined or, or talked about. Um, yeah, uh, the way I the way I think about it is is without having any too uh, big a definition to to talk about. It's just anything that constitutes describing the world in which a character is adventuring. So that could be an incredibly meticulous uh, map with every faction and detail written down, or it could be just a general idea of the kind of world. Is it tumultuous? Is it peaceful? Uh, are people nice? Not nice. Um, it, all of that constitutes world building for me. So sometimes I like to have lots and lots of documents and sometimes I just like to have a general idea of what the world is like so that I know what I'm thinking of when I go into the game. And for those of you who are interested out there, there, there is quite a big community of uh, people who world build as a hobby uh, on its own. Because obviously, mm. I think the term comes from writing and a lot of people point to Tolkien as like a world builder. Mm. Um, but largely in, in a novel, you know, you're focusing on plot and the world is secondary to that. Whereas in a game like D&D, the world is essential to the way you interact. So world building is the kind of perfect uh, side hobby for someone who plays a lot of role-playing games. So yeah. go ahead and check out those communities if you're interested. It should also be said that it's just very fun. Yeah. Uh, I fab. love doing it. E even if we weren't playing in this world, to be honest, it would be a fun activity. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> we'll do a lot are, more of this. Yeah. yeah if, if you are looking into this, there's a lot of um, resources that can help you out. There's things like, a, there's a website called World Anvil and... Um, or just any kind of database system like OneDrive or anything you use. Uh, OneNote, sorry, is, is going to help you with uh, Absolutely. your world. Today, I think we want, we want to go with good old pen and paper. Yeah. Uh, so you might hear me scribbling some things down. And I've got some dice nearby. I mean, I always have dice nearby. But I've got some dice nearby just in case we want anything randomized. Um, I have dice plugged into my soul. Absolutely. That's how, that's how, uh, yeah, that's how that we like to like live. Was, that sounded like I was one-upping you there. <laughs> well, I'm I actually more have of a D&D player than you are. In my soul. <laughs> um, amazing. When you uh, world build Mars, is there something that you start with or something that kicks you off? Because obviously we've got, uh, how would you call it, like a blank sheet right now. Mm -hmm. And we've got, we've got to get over that. So what, what do you start with when you think about world building? Well, there's two general approaches, I'd say, which is outside in and inside out. 
Uh, I'll leave it there. I think that explains <laughs> it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Why don't we try and do a bit of both of those today then? Yeah, yeah. I think the there's both have their own benefits because obviously if you work from the outside inwards, you can start with this kind of macro level of having a, a map and an economy in place and a wide variety of religions and cultures and all this kind mm. of stuff. But if you start from the inside out, that's quite useful if you're actively playing in the world because you can build towns as you approach them. Like if you think about a game and the fog of war in a game like Civilization, where you know you can you have a tiny bit of the map revealed and that's where you live or act. And then you kind of move east 30 miles and suddenly you find a village that's there and then you go west another 30 miles and you're back where you started and then you go west <laughs> another 30 miles and you're at the coast you know you never quite know what's coming next so they both have their advantages narratively and uh, as, it's as like exploring right you're yeah, exploring yeah. the world yeah absolutely um yeah so let's let's start with should we start with some big picture stuff and Sounds good to um me. and then zoom in a little bit so big picture to start us off, I don't want to... Uh, I, I want to stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Stand on the <laughs> hill of Tolkien or whatever we said in our first episode. Um, and let's look at a universe that's already been made, like a nice, like a sourdough starter for us, okay? Mm. So D&D, Dungeons & Dragons, has a universe uh, that most people refer to when they're playing their games, okay? And uh, so I want to steal some bits from that, not the whole thing entirely. There'll be stuff that we want to change. But the, that universe consists of a multi... Well, it's called a multiverse. So lots and lots of universes all next to each other um, that some people call planes or um, yeah, multiverses or anything like that. So let's start off with that idea that you've got a universe or a multiverse that has lots of these different planes where action can take place. And all of these planes could look very, very different. Yeah, and it's important to have planes when you're world building for D&D because mechanically, you've got to have, well, you've got to have some considerations for the mechanic of D mechanics of D&D, I think. Because um, whereas in, if it, if it was independent world building, mm. where we were just building a world for its own sake and for the creative endeavor, we kind of go where we liked. But um, it, it's a good idea to take these planes, as Will has mentioned, because spells in D&D are linked to certain planes uh, your alignment is linked to yeah. certain planes uh, and, and having that interdimensional aspect. I should say, when I say planes, I don't mean there's loads of Boeing's 747s <laughs> all over the place. Uh, I'm talking about a universe that might be called like the fire plane, where the whole place is just wrapped in lava and fire. And only like fire beasts can really survive there for a long time. Um, well, I or, do like the yeah. idea of starting a British Airways campaign where... Everyone's mm -hmm. a pilot and has mm -hmm. to get to their destinations on time, like a kind of management simulator. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, uh, you get stuck in the airport for ages and you have to lie to all of your passengers about why the flight is delayed. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, let's get into a fight with British Airways, sure. That's that's the enemy we want to pick on. That's, that's who we want to start our first beef with. Um, perfect. So, But for now, what we'll talk about is we're not going to look at those planes too significantly until maybe further into Sal's story. So instead, let's talk about the plane that he exists on, which I, I'm going to call the material plane, which is also the same name that's used in a lot of games. So mm -hmm. the material plane is just the normal world. Okay, so magic exists and things like that, but it's not wrapped in fire and there are no evil Boeing 747s around. 
And so, to use a real mm-hmm. world, I say real world, but to use a, a real world comparison with like real mythology, if you take something like the Norse myths, this is the equivalent of Midgard. You know, it's the world we live on. Or in Tolkien, it's the equivalent of Middle Earth. It's, it's well, mm. that's a continent, I guess. But um, my point being that this is the, yeah, this is, as you say, this is where we are. And um, let's think about as well, we don't necessarily have to come up with an amazing creation myth for this uh, land, but what do we think about gods and things like that in um, this world? So we're going to have a, a pantheon, I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. Um, we could use, uh, a lot of people use gods from other mythology. So uh, have you ever used any gods from like uh, Greek gods or anything in a game? I don't think I have thinking of it. I would like to do... Uh, and North, for anyone listening, I'm quite a big fan of Norse sagas and that kind of thing. I studied at uni. That's why I'm going on about it. It's for me rambling. But I quite like to do something like that, especially because of God of War recently. Has I was been, just going to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's been very much on my mind. Um, uh, yeah. No, so Have you? A, lot of, a lot of people use um, gods from like Norse mythology or Greek mythology because they're already there. Right. You don't yeah. need to come up with myths about them. Uh, or you can create new ones. I do a really weird mix where I'll, if a character mentions to me that they have some sort of relationship with a god, I will look up lots of different gods linked to that to a certain concept like um, sadness or love or farming or or anything like that. And then I'll just see if a character strikes me, if if a, a character from mythology strikes me as interesting. Um, Sometimes I'll make up a new god. I think I've actually only done that a couple of times. Normally I'll use one that's already out there uh, and then maybe change their mythology slightly. Um, so do you, exam- those yeah. from, do you take mm-hmm. those from real world mythologies or do you use lists or do you use a bit of both? Is it? It's a bit of both. So yeah. sometimes some real world mythologies. Uh, I know I've played in a, a one shot where one of my friends, uh, his god was Zeus. Oh, so. Yeah, so that was super cool. Uh, I, I remember in a campaign that I was running uh, a couple of years ago, a campaign that you were in, Miles, um, you went to a temple, which was a temple to the god. And now I'm going to struggle to remember the name of the god, but it was it was one from uh, the sort of D&D pantheon. And um, it, she was the god of nature. Yes, like yeah. Like Chansea or something like that? Chansea. Chansea, yeah. Um, and she... But what I wanted to do was I wanted to incorporate some kind of adventure or some kind of quest in your discovery of her history and her mythology. So I wrote my own sort of background for her as to how she came about, um, which was that she was kind of tricked into... She wanted to know the magic of nature, and so she was tricked into... She was given all this power, but then was trapped in the form of a bunch of different animals. Um, and oh, was never cool. able to kind of speak to humans ever again. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I chose this god that already existed, but then I kind of wrote my own mythology around her, around her to fit into the world and my story. Um, this is the this is the uh, campaign where we hid the, the trapped prince in that temple, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. The and one. then yeah. revealed to um, uh, the... Oh, I can't remember the name of the town. You revealed to the queen of this town that you had the prince <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. Didn't, didn't we just leave him there? I don't remember ever getting him back. <laughs> no, I don't think... Well, you know, trouble kicked up, didn't it? 
well true, um, true. picked up so uh yeah well, I, he was probably having a good time he wasn't in prison there i think he was just there for his safety yeah he'd, he'd got sanctuary i guess yeah exactly um right fab so um so what we'll say is as we go along if we come across a religion that needs a god or a cleric or something like that that needs a god then we'll just do a little bit of scouring to find a, a god that might be appropriate Absolutely. And I'm here at the control panel ready. I'm the guy in the chair. Don't you worry. Amazing. I'm the guy in the chair. You're the guy with the pen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, also, one more note on gods real quickly. Yeah. Um, in D&D, we have in the rule system, there is an acknowledgement that gods exist um, in order to make spells work and clerics divine spells work. Mm. Um, obviously, some people try and make worlds where uh, gods aren't present or magic isn't present. But uh, for the moment, we're going to be assuming that in the game world, these gods exist and the people that uh, worship them and, and um, pray to them are praying to an active interventionist uh, force of some sort. So it's, yeah. it's a lot like the Greek myths. Yeah. And you can uh, sort of, I wouldn't, I don't think you would call it not believing in a god, but you can pray to a certain god and refuse to pray to other gods. So you yeah. can accept certain gods. And get their um, benefits and ignore others that you don't uh, believe in their principles or whatever. Yeah. Um, cool. Actually, now that you've mentioned Norse, I kind of want to say that Odin, I want to pick like a god to start us off. And I'm kind of thinking okay. about Odin. Well, um, Odin's a really good one because in mm. my mind, Odin's a kind of, he's, he's, he's incredibly hard to pin down uh, because well, he's, he's got a poetry. He's a kind of uh war god to some degree you know mm. has soldiers in valhalla and all this kind of thing um he's a god of knowledge he's a god of riddles he's he's a god of all sorts of things um he's anthony hopkins he's anthony hopkins he's um what's the what's the guy wednesday and um american gods the guy who played blackbeard in the caribbean oh he's so good um ian mcshane i think there you go there you go <laughs> Um, I've never said something with so much gusto. Ian McShane. <laughs> Should we have Ian McShane be our sort of um, founding deity? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, do you want to get him on the show? I mean, let's reach out. Yeah. No, no I mean, if you don't ask, you don't get, right? So let's start with Odin then. And we'll imagine that Odin is, I mean, in Norse, Norse mythology the gods have locations that they inhabit kind of like mount olympus in greek mythology right yeah so in um in, in norse mythology there's this idea that you have to be in a similar place to the god in order to worship them so i mean if you were worshiping thor a lot of fishermen worship thor for instance mm. uh and if you were doing that you'd need to be at sea or if you are over on another continent for some reason then it, it, there'd be no point wishing, uh, wishing, praying to Thor because he's not mm. there. <laughs> mm, okay. So, um, but I'm trying to think, is there a way to make Odin pervasive? Like, uh, like he was there before um, the material plane was, or he fashioned the material plane or something like that. Absolutely. I, I um, there is this recurring theme in creation myths, actually, mm. it, of the world being formed out of the body of something else so maybe if the, but that would require something else existing before odin as well well that's kind of fine because this is what i mean by saying we can 
how outside in, but also inside out. If we know that yeah. there's, I don't know, like a tree of life and then Odin cut down a branch or something and that became the material plane. That's um, fun. I don't know if that analogy syncs up with, with what I'm thinking about. But uh, And then obviously you have this question of like, well, which came first, Odin or the tree of life or what is the tree of life? But we don't have to answer those questions right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, maybe he, and this is... Yeah? I suppose this marks the departure away from uh, reality. The nice thing about world building for for the listeners is that we can kind of choose a starting point in real myth or real folklore, and then we can just go on a tangent wherever we please, which is fine. Can I check that that is okay with you going on a tangent about Norse mythology? Absolutely. (laughs) More than okay. It's it's perfect. (laughs) So I'm, I'm picturing maybe actually he's cared for this tree... Uh, and it's grown lots of different branches, and each branch is a plane. Does that work? I like that a lot, yeah. Cares for tree of life. The other question is, do we want to call him Odin, or do we want to use Odin as a kind of template and then rename the god to I, something else? Yeah, I was just thinking, is there a way... Can we look up a word for gardener in another language? Oh, that's a good shout. Oh, I like gardener. The great gardener god. yeah. Oh, man, this has taken off. That's such a cool concept. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see if we can find... Should we find it in, like, Latin or something? Yeah. Okay. Um... We probably don't want Gardner in Latin. It's Hortulanus. I, I mean, I actually quite like that. Hortulanus? Um... Hortulanus? I don't mind it. I, I just, you know, there's anus jokes will abound, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's what this <gasps> campaign is all about. Topiarius. Topiarius. What's that? Topiarius is also another Latin word. I'm just using Google Translate. So if anyone out there actually does Latin and I'm butchering this, um, please write an angry email to me. We we both know of one person who absolutely will be furious <laughs> with us if we get it wrong. There's a, oh, and also we're going to butcher. Well, I don't know about you. I'm going to butcher a lot of pronunciations of other languages if we go into this. But Gardner in Greek, it says Kiporos. Kiporos. That's nice. Um. Top, top, top. What was the Latin one? Topiarius. 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 I've got here. Topiarius. Or we I can quite like use that, that as a base and shift topiarius. the spelling a little bit. Yeah, I like Topiarius. I'm picturing a giant green. Go- you know the green man, like uh, the sweet corn. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> green giant. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> if we do the jingle, do we get sued? I don't know how that works. Or do we get money? How does that work? Do we get sued or do we get money? The two sides of the coin. Um, <laughs> was that who you were talking about? No, um, I don't know if that's related, actually, the Green Giant. That's a good good thing. No, there's this, um, I don't know much about it, but there's a uh, folklore, English folklore called uh, about the Green Man. Uh, he's oh, a kind I of do legendary vaguely remember it, yeah. Symbol of rebirth and the cycle of life. And I, I think he's kind of a spring god. Um, do, they and you mention, see, do they mention him in... Um, what was that? Oh, no. I've forgotten every word associated with it. Jerusalem. Do they mention him in Jerusalem? Oh, the play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They do. Yeah, I think very briefly. Because uh, that's all about the mythology of England, isn't mm. it? Oh, God, that's a good play. Great play. Phenomenal play. <laughs> Phenomenal. But yeah, he's a um, he's a kind of spring deity uh, that, that appears and, and recurs. And you'll see quite a lot of his carvings in mm. Uh, older buildings you can see him carved you might see his face quite a lot i think it's kind of encircled by leaves yeah i was just gonna say i'm imagining him with like 
big bushy hair and a big bushy beard, but he's got like twigs and leaves and like worms wriggling around and yeah, dirt all over him and um, and he's like, <laughs> I was about to say, ho ho ho. <laughs> Yep, it's Father Christmas, ladies and Our gentlemen. creation god is Santa. <laughs> um, he sees you when you're growing. <laughs> he sees you photosynthesize. Okay. Um, I've put to- to- Topi... Oh, man, I'm really struggling with this, aren't I? Topiarius, I've said, equals green giant. So there we green go. Green giant. Perfect. Um, and if you wanted a tutorial on world building, you've got it. <laughs> but this is what i mean is is world building could take so many different forms that i don't yeah. want people to feel like there's a barrier to being allowed to do it you can just Absolutely. sit down with a pen and pencil and possibly some paper and uh start messing around so and amazing. this absolutely is the best way if, you, if you're at home you want to try this grab someone you know and start riffing <laughs> because that is that is the way because you, you even just, if they do not want to build like the world this. with you because if you hadn't brought up Green Giant, I wouldn't be picturing what I'm picturing right now, which is yeah. a man encircled in leaves, uh, yeah, taller than than mountains. Absolutely, like his, yeah. Like his fingers are a mountain range, like thunderous you know I mean? kind of feet as he stomps all over the place. Um, amazing. Okay, and so he's he's kind of cared for and maintained and nurtured this tree of life, which has grown many different branches now, and. Some branches kind of wither and decay and fall away. Uh, some he has to cut loose uh, to kind of save the rest of the tree of life. But there's one branch that is flourishing, and that is what I guess you would call the material plane. Um, we can maybe come up with another word for that if one springs to mind. But for now, I want us to zoom in on that branch, I think. Is that okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and establish... So in this plane... I'm I'm picturing one land. It probably should be a planet just because otherwise I would start asking too many questions about the physics of this world. <laughs> so I just want to kind of assume that it has similar physics in terms of like planets and stars and whatnot. Um, How about it's exactly the same as the real world, but in, there's like space isn't a vacuum. <laughs> What would that do? <laughs> what is what? It's just air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, now I want to go on a whole thing of thinking about that, but I can't use up valuable brain space. <laughs> I've got to come up with a world. Um, I like saying that it's just our universe, though. Um, although this... the 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 planets are named after Roman gods. <laughs> So that would add a level of confusion if we had the same names. Yeah, we should probably adapt it a little bit. Let's start with the planet, like you said. I think we start small and then... We start small with a planet and then we, uh, <laughs> then we build outwards from there. <laughs> then we build up to, to giant light year long uh, 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 mega structures. Okay. Remember Spore? It's like Spore. That's, I, I I'm never leave played that Spore, but I absolutely yeah. think that I would love it. If I ever managed to get a copy of it, um, absolutely, you'd love Spore. Anyway, so you, I can't. If I start talking about Spore, we'll be here all day because I'm a huge Spore fan. We but. should do <laughs> a, an episode where we can just ramble, where we don't uh, uh, worry about a topic. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm picturing actually, we have a solar system, we have a universe, and we have our solar system in a galaxy. But mm. I'm picturing a much more vibrant world. Not, I mean, our universe is incredibly vibrant. Let's just slip in. 
let, go watch a Brian, docu- Brian documentary Cox. <laughs> Brian Cox documentary. And he'll show you how vibrant the universe is. It really is amazing. Or some, someone like Carl Sagan. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I'm picturing like all of the planets are different colors. So we have, and they are like very vibrantly that color. Um, so that if you ever see them through like a telescope or something, it's it's like this ball of of kind of glowing blue or glowing red or um, uh, like kind of like a verdant green. And then you kind of have like planets like in um, Star Wars, like you'd have Hoth, oh. a white planet, and you'd have, um, is it Endor? Is Endor a moon or is Endor a planet? I think Endor's a, all the Star Wars fans are going to. Yeah, we've got the start. We've made enemies of the Star Wars fans, and, the and we've made enemies of the classicists <laughs> and British Airways. Oh no! What if they were one group? <laughs> we're fighting a war on three fronts. Um. Yeah, but but I like that idea of of having just a planet that's covered in in forest. I love a planet that. that's was... covered in and like an interstellar planet that's covered in water. Oh, that yeah, the big scary wave. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, thinking when you said that, I could picture um, them being like fruits on a branch. Oh, yeah. I love it. Do you like that? Like each one is like a, like a fruit hanging from this world tree that the great gardener has tended. Wow. This is amazing. We've got like a real like system could be inside going on here. Yeah. Um, like smaller branches, like twigs almost that stem off from the main um, branch. Oh, and that'd be useful because there's quite a lot of spells in D&D that cause pocket dimensions or like personal planes. So maybe mm. those little twigs are formed by those spells. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they can kind of come and go and and the gardener will tend to them with his shears. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, reaching into a bag of holding and your arm just gets slopped off. <laughs> oh, got to cut that off. Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Ah! Uh, each planet is a fruit <laughs> now i've pictured like a giant <laughs> apple in space do we right, want but, each because mm-hmm. i was thinking maybe we could add for the kind of interplanar thing each plane could be a planet instead so you know when we have the realm of fire it's actually a, just a fire planet oh yeah does that, that mean it would nice... be possible to travel <laughs> I mean, our world is probably quite far away from spaceflight, but would it be possible to travel between the planets geographically? Like you could get in a rocket ship and fly between these planes. I mean, I love that idea. I love there that is, idea. There is a um, a new, well, it's not new. It's like a remaster of an old thing that was in early editions of D&D, but it's called Spelljammer, um, mm. where they do have space travel of a sort. I think you ride massive space whales. I don't know. I haven't read it. <laughs> but um but it's a similar know, I concept read it. I, <laughs> yeah, I sounded really dismissive there i'm sure it's amazing and i really want to read it but i just haven't got around to it yet is the uh is the lowdown there so i'm looking up the word for home in other languages so i think it's like domus or something like that in in latin yeah that sounds right from the- um rudimentary latin i did yeah domus's house and home could you want to call the kind of material planet where where sal finds himself do you want to call that domus or is that a is there a better word for that uh domus is quite good i mean in icelandic i think it's heim oh i like like that uh so we could use heim maybe or uh 
uh, in Icelandic, the word for house is hus. Hus. That's nice. Uh, I said it more like a Geordie. Hus. <laughs> yeah. I like Heim. I like, I'm a big fan of Heim. The, does Icelandic use uh, uh, like the Roman alphabet? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Modern Icelandic does. Yeah. Yeah. So H-E-I-M. We are on Heim. Do you like that? Yeah, I like that. I actually have a list of, I guess, Heimer as well, you could say, with an A on the end. But Heimer. Amazing. Um, Another and- disclaimer. We, mm-hmm. we often take, uh, we'll use other languages' words as inspiration, but then sometimes shift the spelling around and, mm. um, and, and play with it a little bit, just so it's, yeah. There is a whole, we could actually get a special guest on to talk about, I can't remember the, there's a name for them, uh, but like fictional languages. Oh, I'd love to do that. And and how they are uh, come up with because you have different levels of fictional languages and obviously there's lots of fictional languages in D and D, and you can have ones that you represent with words but they don't there's no language underneath it you've just chosen random sounds but mm-hmm. then people have straight up made full on languages that you can use to communicate with each other. It's a big part of world building as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It tends to be part of the hobby. Um, obviously, Tolkien was the most famous for making these conlangs. Is that what they're called? Conlangs, yeah, that's yeah. it, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get back to that another day because that's a whole can of amazing worms that I want to... Amazing tasty into. worms. Amazing I have tasty just worms. googled uh, home in other languages and Hungarian has come up. I think this mm. is accurate, as Othon. Ooh. Which uh, I quite like. How could we spell that? So here it's spelled O-T-T-H-O-N. Othon, I like that a lot. Because it sounds a bit like a thorn. I quite yeah. like that. Othon. Um, and it sounds uh, uh, like kind of primal almost it does doesn't it um, Othon amazing so we're on Othon now I'm going to make a choice right now I've just had this idea brewing in my head for a long time since I've been thinking about this world I love archipelagos so oh, yeah. I want to have a lot of water in this world and then I want a big chunk of it to be just a collection of small islands and I mean this is like a vast collection of small islands almost unexplorable like yet to be fully explored i love Um, it because it just allows you to have so many different uh like cultures and people and places and technologies and everything uh in uh, close proximity if you have this idea um so i like that (laughs) sorry for the cough (laughs) it also Um, means it also means having you know the more ocean we have the the more pirates we have and we all love pirates Exactly. Okay, so let's make a note of pirate. I'm just going to put pirates because that could be a whole like adventure right there. Oh my God, Sal could become a pirate. Yeah. And he actually, I feel like I could see him doing that and uh, it going quite well. He so needs pirates. money for his brewing company, you know? Did, uh, has he spent any time on the water before? Uh, no, no. He's a he's a inland guy. Yeah. Um <laughs> So, so Othon is made up of half of half of its the, these kind of islands, but I think there should be one chunky landmass, which may be like over a long period of time an aggre- aggregation. Can you say that of some of the islands in the archipelago that have kind of collided together and formed one continent? Ah, okay. Um, is there a reason for that? Is there some sort of magical reason for that? Ooh, I love the idea of their not necessarily like magnetism, but like. There's one, there's like an ancient being buried in it that's attracting Ooh. mass or um, um, 
I was actually reading a, a post about world building uh, just before we started this and they were talking about having divine sites like spaces where or areas where something divine has happened in the history of this of this world so i like the idea of there being like some battle or something and maybe a god was slain and then all of the all of the islands kind of um surrounded this place and clumped together that is a really cool idea to build the folklore into the landscape i love yeah. that oh i like there's, that um, idea and i'm also there's picturing, a, there's a world, sorry yeah, go ahead go sorry ahead. i was just gonna say there's a world i used to um use a little bit which i which had a kind of a sword thrust through the ocean in the center of the planet and it was it was like the god sword and it was where there was a literal battle of like gods and this sword was still there as a giant uh 800 yeah. foot high sword or whatever and yeah. that's amazing i remember that because you could traverse it up and down right yeah you can climb up and down it um that was so cool actually can i steal a bit of that idea Absolutely. and why don't instead of it being like the the death of the god that brought these things together what if another god collided all of these islands together whilst fighting another god ah so like like kicked them all together or like trounced them Trounced, yeah, like kind of yeah. scooped them up in in their arms and brought them together. I love that. And then I'm picturing they form this like giant mountain range in the center where all the islands met. And then we have another god that we can call the Gatherer. Yes, we've got okay, the Gardener, quick. the Gatherer. Oh man! Can you look up uh, a Latin or Greek word for Gatherer Absolutely. while I write this down? Um. So they had this fight. The Gatherer brought these islands together to vanquish his enemy. They collided and formed this giant mountain. So I'm just going to do a really rough sketch. Viewers or listeners, you you can't understand how rough this sketch is that I'm doing. I don't want anyone to think that you have to be an artist to be able to do this stuff. Uh, And we've got this big mountain range in the middle. So from what Wiktionary is telling me... uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lego is I collect or gather in Latin. Ah, okay. Um, and legulus is just a suffix, but I, I, I that sounds legulus. cool. Legulus. Oh, it sounds <laughs> a bit like Legolas now I say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> but legulus sounds cool. I also like it that it's called Lego. Um, <laughs> that's the, so it's telling me that's the noun for a collector or gatherer or picker, which is perfect because someone who I picks I quite fruit. like that. Yeah. yeah. Shall we go with Lego then? Or legulus? I like legulus. Legulus. As long as we don't say Legolas by accident. No, I think and, it's we've yeah. worshipped Tolkien enough, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, just don't want don't want to get that horrible copyright. <laughs> at this point, at this point, I'm thinking, bring it on. <laughs> well, add maybe them we, to the list maybe of we enemies. can trick them in the, the Tolkien estate into fighting British Airways. Oh, I see. As a kind of enemy of my enemy is my enemy. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) um okay so we've got legulus who's the gatherer who brought these islands together there's this big mountain range in the middle um which is maybe in like mythology that's where a god is buried because that's the god that the gatherer vanquished so i I suppose we want some sort of evil god then or destroyer god because uh, so everything I'm, has a, some sort of destroyer god. Exactly. And there's maybe uh, a kind of adventure hook where some cult is trying to bring the destroyer god back, back to life. Oh, we love a good cult. We, lo- <laughs> we love a good cult. 
Um, so, what would be a cool name for a d- destroyer god? Um, do we want I mean, the word I've destroyer, got, or do we well, want to link it back to that theme of like growth and plants that we've decay? Been with? Maybe decay. decay. That's good. Um, I'm gonna look up decay god actually. So I'm gonna there's go a, a different Greek track one. and look up poisoner. Oh, so you um, do that first, though. Yeah, do that. Um, Tabes is the Roman name. Thysis, I think, is the the ancient Greek pronunciation. I do quite like that. Uh, Tabes, Thysis, uh, Interitis, Caries, Senium. Oh, Zenium's cool. Senium with an S. Um, I like it with an X. <laughs> uh, I think that's close to the Greek. Have you ever heard of Xenia? Uh, no. So Xenia is this, I think it's Greek, tradition in, in like ancient mythology that obviously all of the Greek gods could disguise themselves as people and go down and talk to, to mortals. Mm-hmm. And so if you were a mortal, you never wanted to turn down a stranger. If a stranger said, can you help me? You'd never want to say no because... It could turn out to be Zeus in disguise and then you'd be in real trouble. So supposedly if someone turned up to your door <laughs> needing like a place to sleep and some food and water, you had to give it to them. And this concept was called Xenia. I love that. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a reason for a lot of... Um, it kicks off a lot of stories because weird people turn up at someone's house and then they have to let them in. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Um, yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> I I don't want to let in strangers to my house. Don't make me let strangers in. <laughs> uh, how did you get on with poisonous? Um, so I was looking for poisoner, but I couldn't mm. find it. But I I did find words for poison, which it's telling me in German the word for poison is gift. G I F. G I F T. Oh, just the word gift. That's uh, uh, which I didn't know. There's probably an interesting story behind that. Um, it's got to be right. There's um, a Latin in... word called fell, which is gall, poison, or bitterness. Quite like that. Although but... fell, is it with one L? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that um, that's used quite often for demons generally, isn't it? Oh, that would be why I thought it was such a good demon name. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also, I was looking up, because the reason that came up was I was looking up to, to fell a tree. Oh, um, that's cool. And it's got Demito, Demitere, Demisi, Demisus, Demisus, Demisus. Do we want to make the uh, the great destroyer god a lumberjack? I love it. <laughs> What's woodcutter? Um, let's have a look. What about Demises? Demises is cool. Demises. <laughs> what is Demises? Look at all Demises. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love Demises. Or Woodsman. Uh, Woodsman. Woodcutter is Concisor, Concisor, Lignator, Prista. I quite like Prista, actually. Prista. Those are quite nice letters. I'm looking for more X's and K's. (laughs) Because they're evil letters. (laughs) I'm looking for Woodsman now to get some more. Silvisman. Silvisman. In French. You can yeah. correct me on this if you know it. It's B- Boucheron? Sure. Uh, yeah. Boucheron. Uh-huh. Um, um, 
Yeah, let's do that then. There's Katako in Hauser. Um, Woodsman in let's, Kurdish, I, Daristan, Latin. Let's put a yeah. let's put a uh, a question mark next to the woodsman. Yeah, it's it's cool him being some sort of woodcutter or yeah, or them being some sort of woodcutter or um. um otherwise, this uh, this episode is just going to turn into <laughs> how many languages can we Google? Um, <laughs> uh, but which, by the way, I'm going to go off and do when we finish this recording. Oh, I'm going to be googling all day. So languages. <laughs> there was this big battle, uh, and so there's the mountain range could be named after the god, maybe. We or, like that. Um, uh, what do we think those mountains could be called? Do you think Silverdale could be in those mountains? I love the idea of Silverdale being there. Silverdale being where Miles's character is from. Um, yeah, that's Sal's homeland. So what do we think that mountain range could be called? I suppose it would depend on the name of the god. <laughs> I suppose, but we don't have to use the name of the god necessarily, because there's things mm. like, I mean, there's the Giant's Causeway in um, yeah. England, isn't there? In the UK. So. Something to do with the resting peaks. I like the resting peaks. The fallen peaks. The gathered the peaks. The, the gathered peaks. The gathered tips. The gathered... Peaks of... The mounts of... Hmm. Mount gather. <laughs> Mount gather. Gathered. The gathered mounts. I quite like the gathered peaks. The gathered peaks. Let's go with the gathered peaks for now. Yeah. We can change it. The gathered peaks. And then um, maybe once I'm imagining it was quite hospitable, inhospitable, but then people started to move away from, uh, started to move into the mountains because there's probably quite a lot of water that's coming down from the mountains. Yeah. I'm picturing like rivers that kind of, I'm picturing actually rivers that kind of go along the cardinal directions. So northeast, uh, south and west. Um, That's pretty cool. Coming down from these mountains. And, and that in-game would give you quite a nice way to navigate as well. Yeah, absolutely. A fun mini-game. Um, and so people started going up into the mountains and settled. Um, there maybe is like one big... Or actually, I'm imagining a big mountain range. So I'm imagining like two big cities there. Is Silverdale a big place? Um, I imagine Silverdale's a fairly small village mm. uh, rather than a bustling metropolis. Um, so well, we could scale it yeah. up a little bit to being like town-sized if we want. I'm picturing like one or two big cities in the um, like two, metropol metropolises, metropolis, um, in the mountains that are like the mountain kind of strongholds. Mm. And there's loads of villages dotted about. Um, and towns dotted about and settlements. Ah, so it's like a satellite village to Yeah, they can else. have as much of a relationship as they want with these big towns. So some of them could make deals for like protect protection maybe. Um, and some might, you know, keep themselves to themselves. What what do you think? Obviously your character is from Silverdale. That makes Had, a lot of yeah. sense because in the first episode we did a recap recently, which is now available on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts and all, the, all your podcasting uh, platforms. Uh, nice little plug there, effortlessly done. Nice. Um, <clears throat> it was mentioned very briefly in that first episode that Sal 
uh, was living in Silverdale when a new lord took over. So they yes. would have a lord that lived not in Silverdale somewhere else that had kind of dominion over over his town. So it being a satellite would, would actually make a lot of sense. I'm picturing it being like a sort of power grab, like this lord was the lord of one of the towns, one of these cities even, and then started saying, look, I'm going to start invading these settlements that uh, keep themselves to themselves and kind of bring them all under one roof. Or maybe even a kind of slow political takeover, like there was a slightly mm. more benevolent lord beforehand and this lord has come in and, and uh, deposed them to some degree. Um. Absolutely, yeah. And maybe the, the, this party was taking over more and more of the towns around Silverdale, so it was harder for Silverdale to kind of resist them. Um, absolutely, absolutely. So mountain cities. Lovely. And then we've got a kind of skeleton for uh, Silverdale. Power, power hungry lord. What'd you call me? <laughs> you heard me. <laughs> Looks to expand. Empire. And take control. Of all mountain territories. Oh, and we can call them the mountain lords. Yeah. And I'm at, yeah, I'm picturing uh, the lords of the mountain. Oh, yeah. I, that's just straight out of Tolkien, isn't it? <laughs> I'm picturing... Um, My bad. Like, if there are two or three cities in the mountains that they all are trying to do the same thing. Oh, there's kind of this vying for power yeah. thing going on. Oh, that could be a really fun story. <laughs> there's a, a kind of, I don't want to say it's a rule, a helpful tip with world building is to come up with factions. So just different groups. They may be like religious factions or um, martial factions. And then think about their relationships with one another and often if you can come up with some kind of conflict between places, uh, that generates story. Story often starts from a sense of conflict or um, th the status quo being, being changed. Um, so several of these mountain lords. And remember as well with D&D, &D, if that's your primarily, uh, primary reason for building a world, uh, always keep gameplay in mind. <clears throat> like, because obviously there's a big focus on uh, creating uh, really intricate economic systems or uh, a wide variety of religions and history and all this kind of thing. But remember, the gameplay is always at the center. So like what Will just mentioned just there with this idea of conflict and there needs to be something that can be resolved or that an adventurer can get involved in. Uh, and it doesn't have to be huge, but it could be as small as like, you know, the rivers. You can, it gives you a way to navigate in the game world. Yeah, and I'm picturing with, with something like a battle, I love the idea of having a large geopolitical event that's happening. This isn't something that everyone has to do, it's just a personal preference. Mm. A large geopolitical event that's happening that the players are in the middle of, but sort of only see small bits of. So um, I don't necessarily want them to be in a, in a full-out war and you know just fighting but i want them to see a meeting that means that troops are going to move somewhere or mm. find a barrel that has a secret in it to do with one of their officers or something like that so that they That's have this a, yeah, sense that the war, the war is all over the world and they are just seeing bits of it it's actually a fantastic tip just for keeping a world alive because this idea that there's stuff happening that the players can't or the, the players aren't 
always privy to like there's mm. as you say troop movements or there's there's a war that they don't have full information on it's kind of happening mm. in the background it makes the yeah. world very alive and moving um yes absolutely um wonderful so we've got our mountain city so silverdale was in this mountain taken over by this lord so sal uh leaves searching for prosperity i guess you'd say um yes, indeedy and let's think so we know he has to find sarlich and sarlich is near a volcano <clears throat> so where do we think of volcano do we think a volcano is one of the mountains or do we think he's left the mountain range and journeyed um i'm almost picturing like near the sea actually although that's not really what the terrain was around Sarlich. but like i enjoy kind the of, idea that he's mm. making his way towards the sea out of mm. some sort of wanderlust for it mm. having never seen it <clears throat> when you and, pictured Sarlich, did you picture yeah. a kind of desert town almost or like yeah there's, there's the big grassy quite, plains around side right yeah i was picturing quite flat kind of plains like um not necessarily desert but kind of dry grass okay. um if you imagine kind of crop fields in uh, like the south of the united states or something ah, like okay. that i'm with you <clears throat> and interstellar um, like an interstellar yeah exactly exactly um so he can travel away from the mountains pick a direction which direction do you think sal would have gone in uh south okay so somewhere along that river, it would make sense. Well, there, I don't think there was a river that ran through Sarlich. Um, but it would have to get its water from somewhere. And Imported. <laughs> it just carry buckets into the town. <laughs> I'm sure places probably did do that, actually. Um, I'm going to say we go south along the river... And then there's, what would you call it, like a channel or like an inlet, like um, a branch that comes off this big river that carries water to various different populations. That seems to make sense, yeah. One of which is Sarlich. So I'll pop that on the map there. Because they definitely would have put themselves near some sort of water source, yeah. And right next to Sarlich is a volcano. <coughs> And then on the other side of the volcano, you could actually, if you continued over that side, you would get to, um, you would get to the sea. I've, I've drawn my map really tiny. No one can see this, but I've, <laughs> I've drawn it really tiny. So everything looks like it's next to each other. Um, but you can make it as big as you want. And we know that he's going off to Cragton. Uh, can you remember if I named a direction in the game? Um... I'm going to say... We can go back and check. Oh, I'm going to say north. I'm going to say north for now. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure it was north, actually, now you mention it. And uh, there's some kind of terrain features in between uh, Sarlich and Cragton. Cragton, we know, is a bit bigger. It's a bit. It's a bigger city. Um, and uh, were there any other places that we wanted to name? No, I think that was everywhere that's been named. So I think uh, the yeah. only 
the only other stuff that I'd want to do would be to go around and see if we could populate some other towns. Uh, not necessarily on stream, but um, fill in the rest of this world. Because we've got the key bits of information that we know are there. And now we can do it either through Sal exploring places or there's a really cool method, which is where you draw the outline of your map and then you roll dice on it and where your dice land, uh, where your settlements are. Oh, that's fun. I'm yeah. a big fan of that one. Um, the dice decide everything. Exactly. Uh, amazing. And so Sal's on his journey to Cragton. I think we've got a good, I think that's a good chunk of, of world building that we've got I'm there. I'm a big fan of this world. Do, do we want to, we'll leave the name of the entire universe for now. Mm. Uh, we'll leave that on the side for now. Uh, but do we want to do a quick one minute recap of what we've got? World building Absolutely. Wise? Yes. Yeah. So my notes are scruffy, but I'll do my best to compile them into a, into a, some kind of narrative. We have a, um, a prime deity called Topiarius, also known as the green giant who, um, <laughs> who cares for this, this tree of life which he has nurtured and it has grown and multiple branches and each branch has twigs coming off of it and each twig has fruit hanging on the end of it. And these branches are all... Um, do we decide on them being planes and the fruit are like different planets? I like the, that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we kind of zoom along one branch and, we, and they're all vibrant and glowing and wonderful. And then we zoom along one branch and we find uh, a fruit called... Um, Othon, which uh, means home, and um, and that's where our story takes place. It's a world that's most similar to our world, and with geography most similar to our geography. And um, this world is, however, imbued with magic, and at one point did have gods walking um, around it. And we know that there must have been some great conflict, because what was originally lots of small islands. Um, many islands were gathered together by the gatherer god Legulus. Notice how I pronounced that. I nailed that. It was nailed. I, I was, yeah, I, I was crossing my fingers beforehand, but you he, nailed it. In defeating the woodcutter god, who is as yet unnamed, kind of like the idea of an unnamed god, actually, but um, the gatherer brought these islands together and smashed them, uh, creating an enormous mountain range called um the gathered peaks and uh thus defeated the woodcutter god and uh we then flash forward many many centuries and populations went up into the mountains looking for water and shelter and some large cities developed as as well um as some satellite towns and villages and that's where we find um silverdale uh, and then Silverdale is just one of many settlements in the mountains. When you come down from the mountains, there are four rivers that lead north, south, east and west from the mountains. And uh, following along one, you will get to a place called Sarlich. And uh, just north of Sarlich is a larger town called Cragton. And that's what we've got so far. And we know that there's a whole other archi archipelago to explore uh, across the ocean, but we have not adventured there yet i think that's everything lovely and there we've got the kind of 
I was about to say skeleton, but it's a bit more fleshed out than a skeleton. We've got a kind of basis for gameplay there. So if you're at home and you're, you're thinking, oh, world building, I don't want to start. Uh, just start with start with whatever takes your fancy the most. We we started with gods there and the creation myth, but we could have easily started with Salich and moved outwards. So yeah, exactly. Just give it a go and, and you, get a pen you, and paper. And you don't need drawings. to have a creation myth behind your world. You don't need to have... There's no prerequisite. There's no uh, thing that you absolutely need. Just start playing around and see. And yours can be silly. Yours can be ridiculous. It doesn't have to make sense. Um, as long as you're happy with it, that's all that, that matters. Um, amazing. So thank Shall you for we, tuning uh, in to yeah. this week's episode of Cobalt & Co. We hope this gave you a kind of appreciation for world building and the, the hobby. And it's just the tip of the iceberg, to use a cliche phrase. Uh, if, if you're interested in this, go to those resources I mentioned earlier. Go to World Anvil. Just search world building on the web. You're going to come up with a million different results on things you can do and uh, materials you can use for this kind of uh, this kind of work. Um, so go ahead and research that. And I encourage you, I implore you to do this yourself because making up myths is one of the most creative and fun things you can do. And it's just storytelling at the end. Exactly. Of the and we'd love to hear from you guys. If you guys come up with anything that you want to put in our world, or if you come up with your own world and think of something cool or interesting or funny and you want to share it with us, then you can uh, tweet us at kobold underscore co on Twitter. Uh, you can Instagram us, I guess you would say. Yes, indeed. Uh, at kobold underscore co on um, Instagram. And uh, we're on Facebook now, Miles, I believe. Is that right? Yes, we are. There'll be some setup, but you can you can get to Facebook through uh, those other two social medias, but I'll, we'll put an actual Facebook link on soon, but there'll be a page, essentially. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, let us know if you guys uh, create something amazing. And one more very quick announcement for you. I kind of alluded to it earlier, and I think we mentioned it on last week's show, <gasps> but very exciting news. news. The podcast of this show... Uh, the, the recorded live shows are now available on all your podcasting platforms Yay! on Spotify, on Apple podcasts, on Amazon music, on Google podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, We're search Cobalt and Co and you'll find us. Amazing. And if you, whatever platform you're on, if you can like it or leave a rating, uh, that would be very much appreciated. Absolutely. And if you're angry at any of the uh, mispronunciations or uh, inaccuracies of this episode, uh, leave us a, a, a pleasant review. <laughs> yeah, let us know and perhaps we'll amend something, you know, who knows? We love conversation, as you can tell. So talk to us. <laughs> right. So thank you very much. Uh, I've been, I feel like I want to do like a two Ronnie sign out. It's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Cobalt & Co. is a tabletop gaming and storytelling guild founded in the year 1211 by Widget the Magnificent. We roll dice, smash swords, and chatter like excited little birds, all under the watchful eye of our Cobalt Overlord. If you enjoyed the show, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at kobold underscore co, where you can find updates about our live shows, streams, and other tidbits that... Sorry, that's the boss calling. We've got to get back to work. See you next week. 